So one. <laughs> you, she was about to say I'm Trisha. Yeah. Oh, we're about to start. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I know. Because I like, my mind is going all over the place. I'll be like, wait, what are we we doing? And then what are we, after we just say our names, then we're just going to kind of work our way through this. Yeah, we're just going to talk about the podcast. (sighs) Okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Welcome to Book Fair, a feast for every season of reading. We are a growing community of curious readers who share the excitement of books. We want to read together and feast together through the seasons of the year and the seasons of our lives, and we hope you join us. Okay, friends, here's a spoiler alert. It is too long, what you're about to hear. We, we're going to invoke the friend card. We're going to say, bear with us. We hope you can get through this and love it and still want to listen to the next one. Cause Hey, it's going to be worth it. We promise it's going to be worth it. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Trisha. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Amanda. And, and this, this is our first episode. Our first episode. Oh my goodness. We're doing it. <laughs> oh, I've been telling all my clients that this is like, well, you know, like in fourth grade when you start a club <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know if anybody's going to want to be in our club, but like, we're going to start this club. It's going to be very important. And then two weeks later, you're like, I don't know if I want to be in this club, <laughs> but I have to join it just in case it really takes off. <laughs> Because it might oh, be, on so great. <laughs> be on the news. <laughs> and I definitely am referring to an exact reference from my fourth grade year. So, <laughs> what kind? Of, what club did you start? PLMP is Prevent Litter and Pollution. <laughs> <laughs> we met three times, and then you were on the news. No, oh, but you thought you might be. It was a flop. <laughs> it was a flop. <laughs> I thought I was gonna like meet the president and everything. So oh, that's great. Said yes in case this takes off. So we are just normal people who love books. <laughs> you know, like none of us have a degree in anything related to books. Um, we're not in publishing. We're not necessarily caught up on any of the all the latest releases. We're just women who love books and love to talk about books. And want a bigger community Mm -hmm. to share books with. Yeah. Yeah. We are all part of an in real life book club together. Which I'm the black sheep of. Let's be honest. (laughs) There's been different times. Like you've been involved in times that I haven't been. Okay. And vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Trish has been the mainstay of this book club that we've had in real life for a decade. Fearless leader. Yes. Well, yeah, it's been 12 years. That's amazing. Oh, Make sure you know, put that out there. Right. It's a long time. So yeah, it's been super fun and just a great highlight of my life <laughs> to have this, this gathering monthly in the spring and fall that we do. So yes, that has been a huge part of my life and has been um, such an enriching part of my life. This encouragement to read these really good books together. So back 12 years ago, um, I was having a conversation with a friend and we were talking about how, you know, we both love to read, but it's hard to pick up some like maybe bigger, maybe more meaningful, maybe um, things you've always wanted to read. Like it can be hard to find the motivation, the mm-hmm. time. You like, needed somebody to walk it with. Yeah. yeah. 
I've always wanted to read Crime and Punishment. Let's just do this hard thing together. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, I, I don't ever just on a random Tuesday say today I'm going to start Crime and Punishment. <laughs> like it just, I'm like Tuesday it's been ten years and it's never happened. Yeah, you know, we just said, well, let's let's do it together. Yeah, and so we first just gathered. We were like, there's the other couple of people that we think would would want to do that with us, and we reached out to them, and they were like, yes, let's read Crime and Punishment. So the four of us read Crime and Punishment and then got together at a coffee shop and talked about it. And then we were like, this was so awesome. Mm-hmm. This was the best experience. I wish I would have read this book years ago. I loved it. We had the best discussion. It was just so filling. And we were like, well, we should form a real book club and like invite anyone who wants to come to come to my house. And <laughs> let's make it a book that, you know, our friends would really want to read. So then we did Emma mm-hmm. for the first book. And we said, we're going to have a book club. It's going to be Emma. It's going to be in two months. And like 20 people came. Wow. And it was so amazing. Yeah. So then, you know, we were kind of like off to the races. <laughs> so we have met ever since. It started in 2009. That's great. Yeah. It's really crazy. So we've been doing that for a long time. So why podcast? I mean, everybody's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> I think it's an it's a way to connect with different people. We have people that have been in book club with us that moved, yeah. and this is a way to invite them back in. And we each have friends that we talk about books with that the others don't know, so we're inviting them in. And and I love feeling part of a group, even though it's not the same as in real life. But a group that's reading this or reading that, and I can read along and, and, and go on that journey too. And, and I, I just, I want to talk about books with, with you two here and all of you listening. So we called it Book Fair, spelled F-A-R-E, which if you clicked on this, you saw that. But um, subtitle, A Feast for Every Season of Reading. When we were talking about the idea for this podcast, the idea of seasons kept coming up of reading in different seasons, what books mean to us in different seasons. We kind of realized that seasons also has a lot of different meanings. Like first, I mean, I read differently in the winter than I do in the of summer. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, what am around... I in the mood for? What's the weather outside? Yeah. And I always want to read a romance around Valentine's Day. And I always want to read something spooky in October. Yes. So just, you know, the basic yeah. seasons of the year. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, there's also the seasons of our lives. We thought it would be so neat to talk about how we read differently in different seasons. Like There's read- times when you're having babies. There's times when you're empty nest. You know, the different seasons of life is something we've talked about too. And you might read a little bit differently in those seasons of life. And then there's also different motivations for picking up a book. You want, this is a season where I'm really wanting to pu- push myself. Or I really want to reach towards something that's a little more intimidating to me. And there's also times when a bubble bath book, it's the right thing for you right then. Yeah. So it'd be really good if we got together and exchanged them so that we would have our arsenal ready when we need that next book. Yeah. Or what to do when you haven't read anything in a while. Mm Because you just keep pushing next episode on Netflix instead of opening a good book. Yeah. How How do you get back to it? Yeah. We want to talk about audiobooks for kids and for you. Yeah. I think we want to have different episodes about different genres. You know, what are people's favorite books in all different genres of reading, different authors, um, different themes that we can get into. 
classic literature, modern literature, like you said, bubble bath books, <laughs> history books, political books, books you read with kids. Spiritual books. Spiritual books, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the things that feed us in all the different ways, but yeah. we gravitate to those things differently in different seasons. I love the connection of the word fair to something that has been deeply nourishing to me the last few years. And because we homeschool, and so someone I've been learning about more and following is Charlotte Mason. And she talked about spreading the feast before your child. And I really resonate with that. And I've been applying that to myself. How can I spread the feast before myself? You know, because what we read feeds our minds for better or for worse. And thoughts have power. They affect our brain chemistry. And it's really important powerful yeah and important yeah and i want to feed myself and i i i love talking to other people that do too and so i'm just so excited to start this with y'all yeah and well you're feeding not just our minds but it also feeds your heart and yeah your soul, absolutely you absolutely know? yes well and what you just said is exactly why i said yes to this little venture here because on the one hand i am am in a bit of a season where i just i don't have time for anything but this was something for me because I, I think right now I'm doing a lot for this kid and that kid and that husband mm-hmm. and these clients. But this was a way to say yes to something tr- for me to make sure I'm still at that table mm-hmm. with the feast yeah, so that I can go back out and do all those other things that I need to do. This, right. This is a little moment to say, okay, what do you need here? Is your, yeah, a whole person. Yeah. 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 I love that. I've told y'all the story of um, Don't Kill the Puppy. No. I think that this is apropos to our podcast. But um, somebody I like to to listen to, Andrew Kern, he talks about a lot of times in schools and when we feel like when we read literature or we read good books, we have to really dissect it and identify all the different literary devices and that kind of thing and really really dissect it and he calls that killing the puppy (laughs) yeah oh that makes so So, much sense because my oldest son who loved 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 to read Mm -hmm. unless it's for school Mm -hmm. I mean loved it for the longest was an avid childhood reader until someone would hand him a book and say I need you to write a summary on this and he was like well that ruins it yeah and yeah and I didn't quite get that but it's exactly what you just said I think yeah and, you know, not that there's not a place for, for people that. to learn about sure. those things and to apply them to their readings, but you got to play with the puppy. You've got to enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so just reading things, um, whether it's a bubble bath book or whether it's something challenging, um, to just let the language wash over you and enjoy it and just take it in. Yeah. Andrew Kern also says, understanding is overrated. And I love I that. love that so much. Yes. That has kind of changed my life. That's awesome. Understanding is overrated. That could be one of our catchphrases. I love it. Understanding You know, just letting the language wash over you. Yeah. And just revel in whatever you get out of that book, that reading. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't understand it all. Sometimes yeah. I read a book and I'm like, I'm not smart enough to understand this book. But now that's okay. Understanding now. is overrated. <laughs> and don't kill the puppy. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, that's kind of what this podcast is about. So let's introduce ourselves just a little bit. Uh, Elizabeth, tell us about you. Hey, so I am a mom 
of a little boy and a big boy. And I just feel like I have been raising one little boy for a lot of years because my boys are 11 years apart. And so I'm doing some things the same way and some things a new way. And we are classical homeschooling. And but that's new for you, right? That's new for me. So that's one of my let's do it different this time. And I enjoyed reading with my older son and we did all these great journeys and books. And then I, I think that's a lot of the reason why I thought, okay, well, maybe I just want to do more of that. And maybe I want to be at home with this guy and, and try it this way. So I'm a person who always has to kind of get in something and see what it's about before I really know how I want to do it. And... I think the people in my life might get a little frustrated about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a mom and I'm a hairdresser and I'm a wife and I'm a here. Let me get that for you in a lot areas of my life. And this is just a spot that I was excited to be in because it can kind of be for me. And I'm going to learn from you guys and I'm going to share some little randomness that I can bring to the table. But I'm just not equipped to be here talking about books, but I can't wait for what all we talk about. (laughs) I feel the same way. You are absolutely equipped by the way. Yeah. You absolutely are. Just have to throw that in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Amanda, tell us about you. Okay. My name's Amanda Payne and, uh, I am married almost, well, at the time you hear this, it will be 19 years. Amazing. <laughs> Are you about to have an anniversary? Yeah. Us too. Okay. Yeah. Same. Oh, yeah. Great. We've got three kids, ages 13 to eight. She's got a boy, boy, girl. And we are also classical Charlotte Mason homeschoolers and really enjoying that. And that has been really integral in my reading journey. And I was never really a super reader or anything like that. I did enjoy books. I did read things when I'd finish my schoolwork in class, be bored, I'd read a book. I mean, what else could you do anyway? Couldn't go talk to people. But but I wasn't always just reading extra things a lot. Two things converged at once, both um, chronic illness and we started homeschooling. And those two things combined kind of put me on this um, path that I've been on the last few years. And I am so, so thankful for it. And I feel like I am just now learning how to read. Mm. And I've been growing so much. I just am reading every day now. I read daily. And it's they're not always like the Odyssey, (laughs) even though that's on my list. And I have started it. (laughs) And there's a place for so many different types of books. You know, and I'm so excited to continue my reading journey uh, with you guys here. Yeah, it sounds like you just want to kind of join in the conversation in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. (laughs) I love that. So my name is Trisha, and um, I'm the elder of the group. A little (laughs) bit older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Three or four years. I I don't know. I don't think it's even that. (laughs) (laughs) I have been married for 23 years now. I have two sons who are currently 19 and 17. One of them no longer lives here. He has his own apartment outside the house. So we are down to one child who is a junior in high school. Good job, mama. Yeah. (laughs) I have never homeschooled both of my kids. My first son went all the way through um, public school and... um, 
Our second son is in a private school that helps him with some of his learning differences. So um, that has kind of been our educational journey. But I am at a phase of my life where my mothering is less taxing. So um, I'm at a place in my life where I'm opening up some new things. I am now a relationship and mental health coach and I have started a practice in that. And so I'm spending some of my time coaching people and helping them, which I love. Like I just, I love it so much. And it's something you've always done and you're just getting to lean into it now, <laughs> which is I feel like lucky for everyone. Well, that's so sweet, thank you. But yeah, I'm, I'm just loving that. And books have always been a huge part of my life. Yeah. I was like the classic, reader as a child of like the only thing I ever got in trouble for was reading too much. (laughs) The only rule I broke was bedtime when I would sneak a flashlight under the covers so I could keep reading. I remember once in fourth grade, I was so into a book called The Dollhouse Murders Mm. that um, the whole, they like dismissed the class to go to lunch and I didn't notice that everyone got up and left and they turned off the lights and I got to the end of my chapter and I was like, and I like panicked because the whole class had gotten up and left. They've been raptured. (laughs) So I was that kid, but then... I also have a chronic illness journey. So my chronic illness journey kind of started when I had my babies. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. my reading life really fell off when I was working full time and then had babies and then the chronic illness. And then when we started book club, it kind of picked up again. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I kind of had this little bit of a valley in the middle. But overall in my life, reading and books has been like this huge, hugely important thing for me. I just love the idea of kind of expanding our in real life book club and creating a space where we can create a conversation and have more fun conversations about books and talk to more people about books and hear from more people about books (laughs) and just, you know, keep enriching that part of my life. So I am super excited about this. Me too. Me too. So we thought it would be fun on this first episode as you are getting to know us and as a question we want to throw out to you to discuss heart books. So in this episode, each of us is going to share three of our favorite heart books. All right. So what is a heart book? Something that you get that, ah, when someone mentions it, whether it's (laughs) from a pain, like, ah. Or it was so good, like, oh, I just have the best feeling when I even think about it. I think if I have an, a, like a reaction when I think of the title, then I know that's probably it for me. Yeah, it's, it's a book that affects me deeply and pushes me more towards virtue, hmm. I think. Mm, okay. And that I go back to multiple times. Mm. Okay. Yeah, for me, I think it's that, like, deep connection and resonance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like a book that just for whatever reason touches you so deeply and has such deep meaning that it really like becomes a part of you yeah that's well said I like that I think that's what I mean by it when I say heart book yeah the deep resonance yeah the first one I just had to talk about um anyone that knows me pretty much knows that my favorite author on most days is Charles Dickens 
I know that's like super nerdy <laughs> yeah. and Victorian, but um, I just adore him. And sometimes I say that my favorite novel of all time is David Copperfield, but today mm. it's Bleak House. I wondered if you were going to put that one on the list. Yes, I love it so much. So this book has everything, like literally everything. It's a mystery. You go back and forth in this book, like between two different storylines. And it actually has one of the first police detective characters that has like an interesting personality. So it was one of the, yeah, it was one of the the first, um, his name is Bucket. Bucket? Bucket. That's so Dickens. Yeah, he's Detective Inspector Bucket. (laughs) And he... Well, when did he write? Because I'm just not a Dickens person, so... So he's Victorian. This book came out in 1863. That's what I thought, but... My mind went to, like, Dick Tracy, though, when you said that. So then I get really confused about (laughs) time periods. I just wanted to follow you in the right spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there are other things, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Mm -hmm. Wilkie Collins. But... Um, as far as like pre Agatha Christie, like a detective that also has like a quirky personality, this is like one of the first. So That's you've neat. got yeah. a mystery, this spooky mansion that you keep going back to with these like hoity toity people who are miserable and like what's going on with them and what's going to happen with them. Hmm. And then you have just this most engaging, admirable, heartwarming heroine, one of my favorite literary heroines of all time, Esther Summerson, who mm. is an orphan. There's an orphan in Dickens? I Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Not only is there one, there's three. Okay. No, so that's be- weird. I know. <laughs> in the beginning of the story, she meets two other orphans who are cousins, and they are all taken in by a benefactor and brought to live at Bleak House. So that's kind of the other storyline. It's like what happens with their life and the benefactor. Yes, the, the <laughs> it's all laying out for me now. <laughs> exactly. So you've got all of that going on. It's funny. There are so many funny characters in this book. There's there's so many funny things, and it's also a satire of the legal system. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. actually the other like huge uh... theme is that these orphans have essentially been mistreated. By they were supposed to get an inheritance, but it all got tangled up in the legal system, and it's all the inheritance is being eaten up in legal costs because of the ridiculousness of the legal system. That's our law. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm gonna put it on That's... my list. <laughs> it's got it's got everything, and it's mm-hmm. just it's just a heartwarming, enriching. It'll make you want to be a better person. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. <laughs> it'll make you love literature. Mm-hmm. It's Aww. just the best. That has been on my list for a while, Bleak yeah. House, and it is really high on my list for this year. I actually just read yesterday somebody's post about something else, but they mentioned Bleak House is a good entrance to Dickens. Hmm. If you oh, yeah. haven't read it before, or maybe it's been a long time since you know high school or something like yeah. that. Or if you're just intimidated by Dickens, start yeah. here. Yeah, yes. that's, a good, that's a good tip. This one is a surprise to y'all because I've changed it since we talked about our list last. (laughs) And I'm going to go ahead with this one. I was going to do it last, but I'm going to go ahead and do this this one because it's also Dickens. Oh, boy. And it's A Christmas Carol. Oh. And we have been reading that as a family every December in the last two years. And we're reading it again this year. Yep. But... (laughs) um, and I know, you know, we all are so familiar with this story, what happens. But reading the book 
And the, there's so many wonderful movies about it. Sure. Um, but the book is worth reading, even though you know the story. There's so much in the book that ah, just makes you want to be a better person on a different level, even than the movies, mm-hmm. as wonderful as they are. Yeah. Um, and I just always walk away from that book. A little bit of hope. With, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I agree. And just renewed in, in uh, you know, wanting to be of service to people mm-hmm. and wanting to help people, wanting to see people. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, I just, it really tugs it just really tugs tugs on my heart. <laughs> so I just it's really wonderful. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's so me. Yep. Um my lifelong favorite is Gone with the Wind. Mm. And I've read it both as a teenager as an adult and I felt very differently about it both times. So that's why I like it continually is it grew with me. Mm. I think when I read it as a teenager, I thought Scarlet was just like the coolest. And now I realize like, well, she was a wreck. Grow up, you know? <laughs> and I could see it as an adult that next time through and also see all kinds of mistakes I had also made 200 years later. Sure. Whatever. But, mm. but similar of just immature girl who thought it was all a game, you know? Yeah. So I love the historical fiction aspect of it. I love the like wretched sadness of it. And then also like so much humor too. I have read it and I've read, you know, Scarlet that was like a Mm -hmm. a next to it. It wasn't a sequel Mm -hmm. because she didn't write it and loved like thinking, well, that's not what she would do. Like in my opinion, that's not Scarlet. That's someone else. And then, Rhett Butler's people. So I just, I loved the story. I, I liked Rhett Butler's people better, but I liked the idea of like, did she grow up or did she not? Or was she always just this selfish person that just had to take care of everybody else and did? And, you know, now I'm like, oh, I bet she was an eight. Oh my goodness. I just realized that she might've been because she did. She like took care of everybody, even though she kind of Whatever. So, <laughs> it's a little Enneagram. Uh, just right. just now had that moment. Um, so I loved that. And definitely thought I'd name a kid Red at some point. <laughs> just, then I just didn't because I was all, I'm not sharing that with everybody. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for me. That's, oh, that's where I'll start. I love that. Cool. Okay. So my second book is a nonfiction called The Destiny of the Republic, a tale of madness, medicine, and the murder of a president mm. by Candace Millard. You can't go wrong with an alliterative subtitle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this book, I did not know anything about Andrew Garfield before I read this book. Like, I'm not even sure I knew that he was assassinated. Mm. Mm. Well, I so, love that. So you started fresh. Yeah, I did not know <laughs> A thing. I had just, a friend had told me I had to read this. I'd read another Candace Miller that I loved, the one about um, the Amazon. Uh, what's that one called? Uh, uh, the River of River Doubt. River of Doubt. River of Doubt. So good. So good. Um, so I wanted to read all of her books, which I still do. But Andrew Garfield was elected president 16 years after the Civil War ended. Mm. So it's, you know, the country has not recovered from the Civil War. He was, he did not want to be president. He went to the Republican convention staunchly supporting someone else to be president. And when they nominated him, he 
like didn't accept it. Mm-hmm. Like they almost nominated him against his will because they couldn't decide on a nominee. Hmm. They were so split. That reluctant leader, George yes. Washington kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So he didn't even want the presidency. He wasn't after it. Um, but he was known for his integrity. He was a strong reformer of political corruption, even when it was unpopular. Hmm. He was very much in the Lincoln vein. Hmm of Mm -hmm. wanting to unify people and fighting for civil rights. Um, So he kind of had this aura that everyone could get behind. Mm -hmm. So he winds up being president. There is this, this is the madness part. There was this deranged office seeker who this was the days when you could just, the president actually had office hours where Mm -hmm. you could, anyone could walk on off the street. Mm -hmm. Another time. Yeah. And and talk to him. Schedule an appointment with the president. Yeah, they would just go sit like three mornings a week and the president would spend all this time just talking to people. Yeah, like the judge at the gates. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the people that would come, the reason they were coming was to try to get a job. Like they wanted an appointment because the president had a a lot of influence over who got certain jobs. So this was a deranged office seeker who thought he deserved to be an ambassador of all things. Sure. So he just like kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And when they finally like wouldn't let him in, he got so upset and decided he was so mistreated. He basically, he took out a gun and figured out where he was going to be at a train station and just walked up and shot him. Like this was also before wow. the president had any security. Security yeah. and yes. this is maybe why they don't meet with the public now. Right, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was like considered to be too royal, like because you know royalty uh, has security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we it were has, very. Like, gates and mm-hmm. you know, so I the president that. was supposed to be a man of the people. Right. So no security. So this guy literally just walked up in a train station and shot him. And, but the shot didn't kill him. Mm. So then it becomes like the drama of what it does to the country, to his administration. And then the medicine part of the subtitle is that then his medical treatment becomes like this drama and this political kabuffle. Like who gets to treat him and who's in charge and who's right and who's wrong. Mm. And I mean, essentially his doctors wind up killing him. Oh no! Like it's it is such a crazy like now. So that part I feel like I might have known. Okay, I have to read the book now. Yeah, so it's it's like a truth is stranger than fiction Mm -hmm. kind of thing. The whole story is fascinating. There's political intrigue. The history is amazing, and I just fell so in love with this man Hmm. and the the integrity and like the way he walks through all of these experiences and the way he suffers and the way he takes care of his family and takes care of the country, you are just left thinking like, what could this country, how could it have been different if he had been Wow, yeah, able wow. to have a full term? Hmm. Um, I just bawled at the end. Like I just, I just was completely heartbroken. Yeah. So it is just, it is the most amazing history book. That's great. That sounds great. I'm going to have to put that on my list too. I think I already have, but yeah, I'll have to <laughs> maybe move it up in the, in the, move it up, move it up. <laughs> So my second book um, is also British from about the same, a contemporary of Dickens, Elizabeth Gaskell is the author, and Wives and Daughters is the book. And I've read it a couple times now in the last two or three years. And it's just, I know I've read a book that has really touched me when I can't read anything else. For a time. Yeah. You know, just, mm. it just stays with me. It's, it was so meaty and filling, mm-hmm. you know, I ate so good reading that, that I don't, <laughs> you know, I just need to eat real light or not at all, you know, for a little while. 
So it's just, and that's how it was, especially the second time reading it. Did we read that this summer for book club? Uh, last summer? Last that's the last summer. time I read that, yeah. Yep. Oh, it's like no other book would do for a while. And uh, it's, I think I love it because it is about these people who are living their lives and it's pretty quiet. Their yeah. lives are pretty quiet, but they grow and they become better people. And there's people that you just want to emulate, Yeah. you know, and there's so much strength of character, deep and abiding love and service to others. And you don't have this modern attitude where you have to be a world changer. Mm-hmm. You change yourself and you affect the people around you. And the yes. power of that and the depth of that yes. really came across to me. Mm. So. I do love that. I think it's that's one of the most important concepts that we can mm. continue to remind ourselves of to tell our children, like, if you be who we need. And if everybody just worries about that, a lot yeah. can happen. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Oh, and I should say, she passed away before she completely finished it. No. Yes. And it is just, uh. (laughs) Yes. Does it feel abrupt? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I think there was a a postscript kind of thing in my book. Okay. Really? So just so you know that if you haven't read it. Yeah, it really is like she just didn't write the last chapter. Like the last chapter. It's so... Right. Interesting that she got so close. But you know how it's going to end. You know. Yeah, you basically know. It's not like Sand to 10 with Ostich. Okay. I was Mm -hmm. like, because I'm not going to read that. Right. (laughs) No, yeah. Yeah. Don't let that deter you from reading it. Okay. Okay. It's such good eating. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful and i i recommend it to people who have read all the austin and they're like mm. what do i read i love yeah. Jane austin it's very much in that vein of the domestic drama and the family mm-hmm. it's about family and mm-hmm. relationships and relationships between families in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and you know all of that it's one of my favorites too i'm so yeah. glad you picked it it's one of my heart books yeah for sure it's wonderful <laughs> Okay, next for me is The Historian, and I loved it so much. It was a perfect time of year when we read it, and one thing that makes me continue to like it so much is that I just don't find a lot of people that have read it or have heard of it, and I just feel like it was such a huge book for me. But a few years prior, during a little bout of boredom, like blasted through all the Twilight books, and yeah. like this is so dumb. I feel like I read them anyway because all my clients were reading them, and it was like conversation going on. And then I was just kind of came away with like, oh, I don't like vampire books, or I don't like hokey, you know, glittery vampires. Well, oh my god, right, right. So, so it it made me like, oh, all of those werewolf vampires that's all just dumb instead of it being a more of a style of writing issue and so then when i read this i literally was like i don't know that i'm gonna read a vampire book guys like are we not (laughs) grown-ups it was so wonderful it was such a mystery anytime that you can present a story not outright as fantasy but as this could be true yeah and you didn't know like yeah 
that weaves the story so much better that maybe on the other side of the world right now. And also, I knew nothing about that portion of Europe at all. So I enjoyed just thinking about what foods did they eat and what did they wear and what did they look like? And I called up a lady that had lived over there for a while and was like, tell me about this. And did you know about this? And it kind of turned me on to a new portion of the world, but then also vain because then I kind of wanted to read like old Frankenstein after that. Mm. And some of the monster books mm-hmm. that were famous then. Um, Did you read Frankenstein? Yeah, yeah, after this. Cool. And then a few other kind of old monster uh-huh. books. Like, oh, maybe monster books aren't that. angsty teenage books, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I liked it because the story was really rich. And I liked it because I learned a lot of just sideline history stuff. But I also liked it because it changed my mind about a genre. Book three, Trisha? Book three. This is my... Maybe slightly, um, uh, controversial is not the right word, um, edgy, more edgy book. Um, this is Everything is Illuminated by Jonathan Saffron Four, who most people know from Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was, you know, more popular book. And of course the movie, mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock and Tom Hanks. So that is what he is more well known for. But I actually like this book better. I think one of the reasons is because... It is based on a real life search he went on. Um, So the author, Jonathan Saffron Four, is of Jewish descent. And he went on a journey to find, he had a a picture of a woman um, in Eastern Europe who had saved his grandfather from the Nazis. Hmm. And he decided he wanted to go there and try to find this woman. Wow. The book is informed by that, but it's also, I mean, he says it's fiction, but it is informed by his actual journey. And I just find when things are informed by someone's personal experiences, it's going to be richer. Yeah. It just carries this power. Like you Mm -hmm. can just, you can just feel the power. So it's like, I thought of this journey while I was on an actual journey. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) yeah it's more real yeah the story goes back and forth between this young man's journey to try to find this woman who saved his grandfather and of course he doesn't speak the language um he's a 20 something american like i'm just gonna take some money and go to eastern europe and try to like discover this and so he has to have a translator and a guide and Just all kinds of adventures and shenanigans happen. And it's so funny. Like, the guide's dog's name is Sammy Davis Jr. Jr. Amazing. (laughs) Why did I not name my dog that? So great. And, like, the dog is, like, this, you know, great character in the story. They're trying to solve a mystery. They're meeting people. They're on an adventure. And essentially, he's starting with what he knows of his grandfather and working his way back in time to try to find what actually happened and to see if he can find out the identity of this woman. Hmm. So he's kind of unraveling a mystery going back in time slowly. And then the other part of the book, I think it's every other chapter is his imagined, like loosely based on the history of the time story of his grandparents village in Eastern Hmm. Europe. So this village that was the culture of which was essentially destroyed by the Nazis when they came in with the 
all that they came in. All with. the things. I, you know, yes. my words are leaving me. But when the Nazis mm-hmm. came in, I mean, that village was essentially destroyed and the culture was scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, so he imagines the history of this village up till that time. So he starts generations ago and then brings the history of this village up to the time when the Nazis came. So you're experiencing the history of this village and it's written in this like kind of apocryphal poetic kind of language. Interesting. That's just moving and beautiful and heartrending and like so you're you're seeing the journey of this village and this culture as it um, when World War II happens. And then you're watching this young man go on this journey to go back in time to try to find the woman who saved his grandfather when the Nazis showed up. Mm. And of course, it all comes together Mm. at the end of the book. So, I mean, it is so brilliant. It is so moving. It is so funny. Um, It is just one of the best modern books I've ever read. So it it is astounding. It really is. But I have to give, you know, the warning to sensitive readers that there is language, there is violence, there is some nakedness, if you want to say that, um, you know, there's, there's some content that sure. if you don't, if that's not your thing, skip it, skip this one. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the premise sounds really fascinating. Yeah, though. it does. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, but okay. content, not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Thank you. But in a way okay. it sounds like that contributes to the story, not as just for shock. Absolutely. Okay. It is not gratuitous. It is it's real. Yeah. It's okay. Real. So maybe still important then. Yeah. Okay. My last heart book is uh, Persuasion by Jane Austen. Yay. Uh, I know. I really, I've read all of her books several times, but I don't know. This one, this was the last one she wrote. I mean, that she completed. I, I think, think so. And um, so she was more mature in her Anne is more mature, I think. There's just, I don't know, she just lived a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's a little older, I think. Yeah. Than the other heroines, too. Yep. And I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm almost going to say for this book what I said for Wives and Daughters. <laughs> but um, it, it just, it has more of a, a personal and, I don't know, an autumnal feel to me maybe it's like that season of life or something yeah. mm-hmm. um being more middle-aged myself I don't know I just really connected to it more the last couple times I've read it and I love their relationship how they end up coming together I mean this is not a spoiler it's you know Jane Austen so yeah, 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 that's yeah. Gonna <laughs> but she's on the verge of kind of disappearing into a life that's just so void of attention and purpose. Yeah. And her journey through that yeah. is just so rich and deep. And they both, Anne and um, Frederick both grow a lot. And it's neat for them to to watch them look back on how they once were. Yeah. And the decisions they made. Again, I can relate a lot to that. <laughs> and this one is less, I feel like it's, not as funny as the others, but I was fine with that. It's it's so rich. Yeah, it's a great one for sure. I Austin is one of those that what my favorite is changes. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. And the one I'm currently reading. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes or, you know, it's just whatever answer, one but... is speaking to me at that moment. But yeah. for sure, sometimes it's persuasion. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, it is the best one. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Until it's 
Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Or Mansfield Park. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. They all have a turn sometimes. I love so much that you said a Jane Austen book because mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is I feel like that was a perfect segue. So I had come off a huge Jane Austen wave mm-hmm. and then suddenly was feeling like where I was in my life wasn't matching up to that storyline anymore what's next am I going to keep reading books about people trying to get together and silly funny and I was in a heavier spot maybe too so Jane Austen suddenly wasn't doing it for me which I had loved her for so long and I still do but you know we have seasons that if a book comes to to us in the right spot it can matter more than if you read it at another time in your life and so just there was a book on the shelf that Charlie said oh yeah you should read that And I just popped it open one morning when I had gotten all my things done. And it's A Thousand Splendid Sons. And I had never read anything about that portion of the world, which I think is kind of similar to what I said to about historian. But in um, these people over there have hurts that I could not begin to understand kind of way. Where does it take place? Um, Afghanistan. And it, it... went back and filled in some gaps of things that I don't under- didn't understand on the news at that time that you needed to understand where the countries over there had been through, some things that had happened, mm-hmm. why maybe they would be open to situations that were happening on the news at that time when I was reading it. It was very helpful for me to understand my current world. And it was the first time that I had the capacity to say, you know, there is a woman on the other side of the ocean going through something that I cannot imagine. Mm. Where before, I think I had probably Mm -hmm. just looked at the news and thought, I just can't do anything about that. I don't know what, I don't even know how to hold brain space for that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the first time that I thought that could have been me. Mm. That could have been me over there going through a story that I couldn't have even come up with. How terrible is this is. This was many people's real life, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is still. And so to not see a them, but more of a us, if we're all human and that could have been me. And if I could have been born in a time like that, I could have had these experiences. It felt very personal to me, even though I shared no culture, no history, Mm -hmm. no timeline, even with the woman in this story. Um... It felt so important to me to grow my worldview and my perspective of other people's pain, I think. I think it just mattered so much to me because I'd never considered someone else as real. And that's Mm. maybe when I learned to to think like, oh, their story matters. And it it should matter to me. So Mm. I loved it. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I think that is one of the most powerful things a book can do. Yeah. Is open our mind and our heart and our, you know, our empathy to other experiences and other stories and other realities that we would never experience in our own life. So we want to hear from all of you. So like Elizabeth said, we don't know if there is any all of you. No one be in our club, please. <laughs> we, we don't know if you actually exist, but if you do and you're listening to this podcast, we want to know what your heart books are. Mm-hmm. And we are creating a private group on Facebook So if you listen to this, you can get on Facebook and um, request to be in the group. And we um, will let you in. We will (laughs) will let you in. (laughs) And then in the group, we're going to talk about this. And we want to hear from all of you about what your heart books are. And if you are not on Facebook, you can email. And then 
Once a month, every four episodes, our plan is to have an episode that is all about sharing input from our community. So if you yeah, have, we'll if you read get your on, comments on air, yeah, we want to read them and we want to um, talk about them. So um, it can be part of the discussion yeah. on the Facebook page and on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so let us know what your heart books are, and we're going to talk about it in our first community feedback episode. And yes, and tell us what you think a heart book is, if you can define that for us. Yeah, because yeah. it's a little different for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I like that. and we cannot wait to hear what you think. Yes. So exciting. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our Facebook group or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And don't forget to tell a friend. What? It's another. (laughs) Amanda's having a crisis over choosing. She just thought of another one. No, go ahead. You do, don't wait on me. What are we, do, what are we doing? <laughs> don't, wait on me. don't wait on me while I choose my books.